This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Well, good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 3, and we're dealing with Moses meeting with God. It's a great passage. It's a great story. There's a lot to be gained and learned by studying this, and we want to spend some time digging deep into exactly what's going on here and how Moses was called. If you'll remember yesterday during Bible study, we were talking about how God was in the burning bush. It says the angel of the Lord was in the burning bush and that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. And it was a particularly amazing sight. It was up on top of the mountain, Mount Horeb, what Moses describes as the mountain of God. And we understand that's where Moses met with God. It ultimately was where Moses went to, um, brought the children of Israel to meet with God. It is the place where he received the Ten Commandments. And so in writing this book, he would obviously call it the mountain of God because that's where he met with God regularly. Now, it's not the only place he met with God. It's not the only place he heard from God, but it is an important place. And as far as that's concerned, it's a place where God did to meet with Moses and is of great importance because God wants to meet with his people. In fact, that's the whole purpose in Moses bringing the children of Israel out to the desert, out to Mount Horeb, so that they can meet with God. And in fact, God wants them all to come up on top of the mountain. And in fact, there is a mountain in in the in this part of the Sinai Peninsula that has a really flat top, a place where there is plenty of room for a large, giant crowd of people to meet. And I actually watched a long documentary of a group of guys who uh, who tricked and played their way into that part of the world. It's not easy. It's under jurisdictions and controls. The UN has a role to play in it. The Saudis have a role to play in it. The Egyptians, obviously the Israelis and the Jordan, Jor- the, those who are from Jordan. And it's not an easy place to move about freely, that part of the world, just because they fought a lot of wars recently over the Sinai Peninsula and in the Sinai Peninsula. That being said, when the children of Israel got there, they told Moses that they didn't want to go up on the mountain because they were afraid because there was peals of thunder and flashes of lightning. And obviously God was beginning to reveal himself in his fullness so that his people could know him. And that was the whole purpose of bringing them to the mountain. And they said, we don't want to go up there. Moses, you go in our place. And for God, that was not, that was not what God desired from them, but him giving them their, their freedom to choose whether or not they wanted to have a close personal relationship with him. He allowed that. But he told them, if you're not going to come up on this mountain, not one of you should touch this mountain and don't ever 
let your livestock or your children or anyone touch this mountain because if you're not going to come meet with me, then you're not going to have any of the benefits of a relationship with me. And God is a personal God. That's the thing about the God of the Bible that makes him very unique. He is an individual, personal God. He doesn't have a code to live by that that is uh, apart from his relationship with us that makes a standard by which we can actually have relationship with him. He provides the means by which we have relationship with him, and then we walk in his will and his ways by faith, and that's what pleases him. Live by code so that we might in some way please him. We walk in his faith knowing his will and his ways from his word in order to please him. And those are two significantly different ideas and different ways of thinking about thinking about a relationship with God. And they're very unique to Christianity. They're very unique in world religions to Christianity. Notice when Moses sees this site on this mountain, he says to himself, I'm going to go up there and see this great site. So he has a natural attraction to God. Now, it's not natural to him, but it's natural because God has placed that in his heart. I want you to understand that you're not drawn to God on your own. Nothing about you desires God. The thing that gets you to the place where you actually recognize that God is and that you need a relationship with him is that he makes himself known to you. And that's a full understanding. It's an important understanding that no man seeks out God on his own. God seeks us out. And in the midst of this, Moses sees this great sight, and he has a desire in his heart to find out what it is. He has a desire in his heart to know the unknown. That desire in his heart is placed there by God. He says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, I think that is is such a neat way that God does. And let me tell you something, it's not uncommon. We see in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, when Samuel is a young man and he's in the temple, he's serving in the temple, his mom had, had made a vow of, of giving him over to God if she could have a son, and she did. And so he went to serve with Eli, the chief priest in the temple, and he's a young man and he's sleeping. And uh, late in the night, God calls out to him and says, Samuel. And Samuel runs to Eli and says, here I am. Did you call me? Because he thinks it's the chief priest that's called him. And uh, chief priest says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And a few minutes later, the Lord calls out to Samuel again. And he goes to Eli and he says, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. And then finally, he says it again, God, later on, because Samuel didn't know the voice of God, God called out a third time to Samuel, and he says, here I am. Did you call me? That's because Eli had told him that, that uh, go back to bed, and he's been called three times. So he runs in there to Eli and says, here I am. Did you call me? And Eli realizes that it's the voice of God that's calling Samuel out, and he tells him, the next time you hear that voice, you tell God, here I am available to be heard, available to hear, available to know you. And that's exactly what happens. He, he hears from God and God speaks to Samuel's heart and God calls him out. And in fact, the two books of the Bible are named after him. And he begins the process of God's anointing in on David and ultimately a picture of Christ 
is found in First and Second Samuel, and God's covenant with David is one of the one of the most important covenants in the Old Testament. One of the five covenants that we find in the Old Testament. That's an important story. Interestingly, in in Acts chapter nine, when Saul is called, he's going to be renamed Paul. But Saul is going to Damascus. He's on that Damascus road, and he's going to persecute Christian Jews, believers who are Jewish, in Damascus. And what happens? Bright light shows. Everybody is stunned. And God calls out, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Notice, in Samuel's case, in this case, in Saul's case, there is a calling out by name. God calls out each individual by his name. Uh, God knows you personally, and that is a distinct part of the Christian faith. God knows us personally, and he calls us out. Moses, Moses, he's, he is calling you out so that you can hear him, so that you can know him, so that you can experience his goodness and his grace. And that calling is very personal and individual. And you go, if God's calling us out, why don't we go and do what we do? We're the vessels that he uses oftentimes for his spirit to be able to move in his word and call it out. That's why he wants us to go and tell people the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in us telling it, in us relating the message of of Jesus Christ in the word of God, by us telling that out, by us letting others know that, that God is at work, by us doing that, we give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak loudly to someone's heart and to call them out. And uh, we see that all the time. That's one of the, one of the, it's one of the main evidences that, that Christianity is true, is that there is a personal call that people experience. And it's not just a few people. It's been millions and millions of people who have experienced a personal call by God. It may be not audible. You may not hear it in your ears, Chad, Chad, or Sue, Sue, or Larry. It might not be that, but it's a distinct call in your heart by God, and he calls you by name because he knows you. And your name is important. Your name before you're born again is important. And the Bible says that Jesus one day will give us a white stone, and it'll have a name that he calls us, that is only between us and him. And so those names are important, and your name is important. And your willingness to say yes to God, your willingness to give God of yourself, to give him full reign and access over your heart and your mind is very important. He said, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses. And notice, Moses said, here I am. That is the same thing that Samuel said, and this is the same thing that Saul said. Saul said, who are you, Lord? And uh, and Moses didn't ask that. Moses is just willing to meet with God. And uh, it is a, a powerful time in a person's life when they first realize that God's calling them. And then there's another powerful time when God, when a person realizes that they have a purpose in God's kingdom and that God has gifted them for that purpose. And you go, that's just when you're called to ministry. You know, some people have that special call. I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that's not true. I believe that every person has a special call by God to ministry, to work, 
to service in the kingdom of God. Now, sure, is God called certain people out to be pastors and certain people for certain ministries? Sure, there's no doubt about that. But that doesn't diminish the call of God on you, and it doesn't diminish the call of God and the gifting of God for your ministry. It doesn't. In fact, yours is just as important, just as powerful, just as personal as God's call for anyone. And I would say to you that if God is speaking to your heart about a matter, that is his call, and he's calling you out by name, that is his call for you to receive him and to walk in that call. Don't diminish it. Don't question it. Don't turn away from it. If you hear his voice, turn to him. That is what we call the conversion experience at the first. And then if you hear his voice and he is revealing to you his gifts that he has placed in your heart and placed in your life, uh, that is your, that's your personal call to service, personal call to his kingdom work. And I believe every believer has a personal call to kingdom work. I believe every believer has a personal call to ministry. I believe every believer has a personal anointing for service in the kingdom of God. And, uh, and if that's you today, or if that's been you in the past, or if that's, that, that happens to you anytime in the near future, I would say to you, turn to God and say, yes, here I am. Hear you, Lord. Do exactly what Eli told Samuel to do. It's God speaking to you. Next time he calls out, say, here I am. That's, that, that is the answer to God. And it was the answer to God for Moses also. He said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And that's another principle. When God calls you to his service, it's a holy service. Nobody's service is is less than anybody else's. And it is a powerful call. I will say that. There's no doubt about it. It is a powerful, it's a wondrous call. And oftentimes people in your own heart try to diminish it because you use the sin of your past and the shame that comes with it. And then you use you use uh, your unwillingness and your stubbornness of heart to make excuses why you can't serve God. And there's really not any good excuse why you can't serve God. You absolutely can serve God and you should serve God. And you have gifts, even if you only have one gift, you have gifts, and God has given you those gifts specifically for his kingdom service, and uh, and they are spiritual in nature. And if you want to study the gifts of the Spirit in some detail, I think that that is, is something that you should endeavor to do. It's in the epistles in the New Testament where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. You find them in Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians. And all of those books deal with God's use of his believers, deals with not legalism, but walking by the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit is using your gifts and using your call to do God's work and God's will, not only in your life, but in the life of others. And and that is a powerful message and call. And you don't need to miss out on it. And you do not need to diminish it nor question it. Why is God calling me? I'm not worthy of this. That's right. You're not. Great answer. That's a great start for you. Good place for you to begin. You are not. You are absolutely right. You are not worthy of your call. But you've been made worthy by the abundant, plentiful, perfect, complete, atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You've been, you have been made right before him. 
and right, you're not deserving of it, but that's what grace is all about, getting what we don't deserve. And I would say to you that you need to understand that your personal call is important. And when God makes that call, the place where he makes that call in your life is holy ground. It's important to you. And moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. Notice, notice God tells you exactly who he is. He is revealing to Moses, this is who I am. He's not hiding the ball on Moses. He's not making Moses try to figure it out. He's saying, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God that revealed himself to Abraham. I'm the God who revealed himself to Isaac. I'm the God who revealed himself to Jacob. I'm the one who gave the promise of the promised land. I'm the one who is who is taking care of his people. I am who I am. And, and Moses hid his face. Why? Because he's afraid to look upon God. And why was he afraid to look upon God? Because it's hard, it's hard to gaze into the eternality that is God. It's hard to consider those things. It's easier just to live your life and, and try to meet your own natural physical pleasures and needs and just to make it through each and every day and try to get just a little bit of goodness out of it. It's easy just to do that, but it's hard once God's placed a call on your heart. It's hard once God's placed a, a desire in your heart to do ministry and do kingdom work. It is very difficult. It is very difficult to uh, to choose that and not just continue on in the ugliness that is our normal life. And that turn and that faith it takes it it takes courage. It takes strength. It takes a desire to know and to see God. And when you do that, God moves powerfully. God reveals himself to you. God begins to show you things in big ways. God promotes you quickly. I've seen people go from really just not all that knowledgeable about God, not all that interested, and in a few short months or weeks or even years, just a few, just a small period of time, them grow enormously and figure out a lot of things and won't begin to walk powerfully in the kingdom. Let me tell you something. God's basic training program for you is a is perfect and it will be powerful. If you'll turn to him and say, here I am, just like Moses did, just like Samuel did, just like Saul did. If you'll turn to him and say, here I am, he will promote you quickly. He will train you quickly. He will use you quickly. But you need you got to give into it. That's why we call it the conversion experience and then the call. That's why we call it giving in or turning yourself over to God. That's why we that's why we uh, we accept and receive the call of God, the anointing of God, and we begin to walk in it. It's hard to explain unless you're going through it, but once you're going through it, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, when I start explaining that, it burns in your heart and you realize that God is using you and is moving and is beginning. I'd say to you today, walk with him. I'd say to you today, turn your heart over to him. I'd say to you today, if you've done that in the past and you hear the voice of God calling you into his kingdom work, turn to it and do it. It is good and pleasing work. It is powerful work. It's life-changing work. It's fulfilling work. And it's obedience by faith. And I'm expecting that for you. Expect good things and great things to happen in your life. God does too. That's why he's calling you. God is, God is acting upon his plans 
in, in uh, millennia past to work out his will in your life. Don't turn from it. If you hear his voice, if you hear his call, turn to him today in Jesus' name. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you as you seek his will and his way today. In the name of Jesus, amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.